Kim Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. If someone daily wrote or tweeted about me and this show, I would read everything about it. This is the press box. Would you feel box? disrespected though? Yeah. Oh yeah, depends on, depends on who it is. Right. With Grady and Bischoff. Hold on, Jared's disappointed in you. I don't know if I can tell you who uh, talks to you. You're blocked by everyone on Twitter. How would, how would you know anyone's talking fair. about you? I wouldn't I mean, know anything. You wouldn't know anything. They so. might be talking about me every day, and I, I know. don't know. I know, but you're blocked by everybody. Like you told me yesterday, I forgot. Who was it yesterday I forgot you're blocked David by? David Carr. David Carr. Yeah. I don't think Darren No, nah, Darren still needs no. to come at him every once in a yeah, while. Yeah, Darren's uh, as, uh, f- well, I don't know if he's as non-blocker as his brother. David blocks a lot of people. Well, David Carr jumps on and claims his brother's going to win MVP, and then people clown him, and he gets upset. Like, I don't think I've seen Darren go on national TV and say, yeah, my brother's no. going to win the MVP. John Gruden's going to be coach of the year, and the Raiders are winning the Super Bowl. Three of which are going to be difficult this year. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, D- David Carr said basically that two, year- two years in a row he yes, said that. that he's going to be the MVP. Like, at some point... You can't keep asking that guy about his hey, opinions on the record. Hey, laws of averages. There are 32 teams, 32 quarterbacks. You know it's going to be a quarterback. You just keep rolling the dice. At least next year you'll be able to say it about a different team. Speaking of Derek Carr. The first bite. Will the next eight games decide Derek Carr's future? Look at that. I didn't even know that was the question. Way to go. Wow. I worked out pretty Guessing. well. So, I don't know. Here's what I find interesting. We have a very large sample size on Derek Carr. But his future as a Raider might come down to a very small sample size. It might come down to the next eight games. As much as we've talked about, hey, this season feels like it's over. This team is collapsing again. They're still five and four. They're still like, you know, they win. Hell, if they go one and one against Cincinnati and Dallas, you can look around and say, yeah, they're in decent shape to go on a run at the end of the year. And make the playoffs. Yes, they haven't done that in the past, but they're not out of it. The season isn't over. And I think it's pretty clear that if the Raiders make the playoffs, right? If they go on a decent run to end the season and make the playoffs, Derek Carr's probably the quarterback again next year. Derek Carr's probably coming back. Hell, he might get an extension if the Raiders make the playoffs. But if Derek Carr does not, if the Raiders do not make the playoffs, Derek Carr has one year left on his deal. Uh, his cap hit is like $19 million next year. But more importantly for the Raiders, there is zero dead money if you cut Derek Carr or trade him. So after this season, if the Raiders do not make the playoffs again, they can move on from Derek Carr and there is zero cost to them, right? They can trade him away for whatever pick they can get and there's zero cost to them. They don't have any dead cap associated to that. They can just straight up cut him. They can just straight up dump him. And there's zero cost to that. So as lo- as he's had this long career with the Raiders, right? And it feels dumb to say you're going to decide what happens to Derek Carr based on the next eight games. But I think that's what happens. I think if this team makes the playoffs, Carr's back next year as the quarterback. And if they miss the playoffs, we're done with the Derek Carr era in, as, as a Raider. So I agree. And I also think, well, I think for sure we're done with Rich Passaccia as the coach. But if they don't make the playoffs, I think the coach, GM, and quarterback are gone. Yeah. I, I think they're all gone. I think the only one that would have a chance would be Mike Mayock. May- and maybe. That's, and that's if that's if Mark Davis believes all of the bad first-round picks were John Gruden, right? If for whatever reason Mark Davis believes, I mean, hey, John I mean, Gruden made those picks, he's to blame, I'm going to give Mike Mayock a shot. 
But I'd be willing to bet if they miss the playoffs that, yeah, it's it's everybody's gone. I think they're all gone. I would be going into a meeting with Mark Davis. <clears throat> yes. And just being like, okay, here's who I wanted to pick. He was still yes. available. <laughs> yes. Here's who we picked. He would have been available had we just called him after the draft was over. Or two rounds later, yeah. Now, I assume Mark Davis already knows these things. Like, I would assume Mark Davis knows who was in charge and had all right. the power. Like they, he like, gave it to him. Yeah, especially because, yeah. First off, I assume Mark Davis knows like around the draft whether John Gruden or Mike Mayock wanted certain players, sure. right? Like leading up to it, and then even if he didn't know around the draft, even if he just said whatever, it's your job. I'll let you guys do it. They've had such bad first round picks. I assume at some point Mark Davis had a conversation and said, "All right." What happened here? What was the process? Who who wanted Cleveland Furl number four overall? Who wanted all these? Like, I assume he already knows who wanted who when they were drafting. So Tom Cable's going to be the new GM? <laughs> <laughs> hey, he picked he, his first round pick it's that he picked one. is the good true. one. It's true. <laughs> but did I he pick? I think he picked Alex Leatherwood too, Jared. Well, okay. I'm not sure. Hey, I've 50, always... 50, that still makes him one of the best. Guys on the team. I'm not sure I've always embraced change for change, but if he doesn't make it this year, speaking of Carr, that's one playoff. And, you know, it wasn't his fault he got hurt. He didn't play in the game. That's one playoff appearance his entire eight years. I I just think you have to move on from him. I think you have to find another option, whether it's Mariota or someone you go out and trade or sign. Um, But I'm with you. Eight games could mean the difference of him coming back or not. And if they look, if they made the playoffs, I would bring him back. If he brings them all the way to playoffs, I would bring him back. I like you said, I might give him an extension. I don't know how many years I'd extend him, but if he can get this team to the playoffs, but if he can't, I'm not saying it's all his fault because I think he's had a good career and he's put up numbers, but I think you have to make a change. So before the season started, we had the conversation a lot about the sort of direction of the Raiders and how that ties into the ceiling of the Raiders. And before this year, we talked about, okay, the ceiling of this team is somewhere in that nine to 10 win range and be a playoff team, but you're not really a Super Bowl contender, right? That was the conversation leading into the year. They might not make the playoffs, but if they do, they're kind of a first-round exit type of team, but they could get there. And my argument in the offseason was the Raiders should should blow it up and go for another rebuild, right? My argument was you want to win the Super Bowl, and this roster's not winning the Super Bowl. This roster is maxing out at, hey, good job you made the playoffs. Because John Gruden is gone... They've been presented the opportunity to very easily go into another rebuild and try to build a roster that can actually win a Super Bowl. That does not include Derek Carr on the team, right? That does, if you are going for a rebuild, you are going for a cheap quarterback that you can hopefully, you know, get by with for a year or two, and then you're hoping to find your next franchise quarterback three years down the road. In the draft. Right. So if, like, so to me, This is a perfect opportunity for the Raiders to basically say, listen, the John Gruden 2.0 era did not work. John Gruden tried to rebuild this roster. They blew so many first round picks. It did not work. We are moving forward with another rebuild or whatever. And Derek Carr is not going to be a part of that. He's got one year left on his deal. Whatever you trade him away for a second round pick, whatever you end up getting for Derek Carr. And that's sort of where you start your rebuild. Because again, the roster is currently constructed is not a piece away from being a Super Bowl contender. Like, you, even if they make the playoffs this year, you're not looking at this roster saying, well, 
If they add this one guy, they're going to the Super Bowl. But unless that one guy's Aaron Rodgers. But you're going to need a lot more to do that. So I would take this as a way to say, okay, we are rebuilding again because we want to win the Super Bowl. We don't want to be a 10-7 and team that finds its way in the wild card round. I don't know. We still don't know who the best team in the AFC is. I mean, they true. might be They might be playing Cincinnati uh, as the best team this week. <laughs> uh, we talked to him yesterday, Derek Carr, about salvaging the offense, and he was very straightforward about it. I, it's not this simple, but he said, you know, the problem with them is they just don't stay on the field, and, and he and Kenyon Drake both mentioned, and I think they took some veiled shots at the offensive line and all the stupid penalties they have. And when you get those penalties, all of a sudden th- third and two or three is third and seven. They both said stuff like that without actually calling out the offensive line by name. Um, so I, I I don't I don't know if it's salvageable if they continue to make these silly mistakes and, and put them in down and distances that they it's much tougher to, to uh, convert in. But let's be honest, they haven't been great in short yardage either. No, I mean Josh Jacobs no. is one of the worst in terms of third and ones and fourth and ones. So if that's going to be your running back and you can't fix that, I don't know if it makes a difference whether you get the false start and you go to third and six or third and one or third and two. Oh, they might be better. They might be. They might be better. They on might third be. And- third and Renfro might be a lot better than third <laughs> and one with Jacobs. So here's uh, I think one of the more interesting things about the Raiders so far this year, and it's simply been how good are they on third downs. Early in the year, Derek Carr was very good on third down. But against Kansas City, uh, this stat from Deshaun Reed, by the way, the Raiders averaged negative .1 yards on third and fourth downs. Sunday night football on third and fourth downs, the Raiders averaged negative yardage on their plays. They have become a terrible team on third down. They are 23rd in the league overall on third down conversions. Now, Here's where it comes to Derek Carr. If you look at um, EPA per play, the first five weeks of the season, Derek Carr was the eighth best quarterback on third downs. Since week five, he's 30th on third downs. The offense, that's, I think that's pretty much it. The Raiders are not this big explosive play team, even though they were a little bit earlier, but they lost Henry Ruggs. They're not really a big explosive play team now. And so how do they score? They're going to have to string together drives. They're going to have to convert four, five first downs on a drive to have a chance to score. And to do that, you're going to have to convert a couple of third downs on a drive. And they have become so bad on third downs that they, they, they can't keep the drive alive. There's nothing they can do. And, you know, you can do it once or twice a game, and that's why you put up 14 points. But they cannot sustain long drives because of how bad they've been on third down. Yeah. Okay, so... On fourth down, I get it because if you're fourth and one and you just get stuffed, that's that's one thing. To go minus 0.1 in third down is almost impossible. Yes. It's almost impossible on yes. third down to go open one. Fourth down, okay, like I said, you just get stopped all the time on fourth down. But that that's atrocious. Um, and, again, let's go back to we talked about Waller is the leading receiver. Is It, it might be in the NFL, certainly with the Raiders, who gets open the most. It was I against man it, coverage. That this, against I saw man that stat coverage. yesterday. Okay. He is leading the league in terms of uh, okay. separation against man yeah. coverage. Then how are they so bad on third down? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to tell you every time uh, I know whether they played zone or man against them on third down, but to be the leading receiver in terms of separation and you get that few uh, yards on third down, yeah. Is that Carr? Is that the offensive line not protecting him? I, I don't know, but that's it's all. Both. It's, yeah. it's, Carr, it's just impossible. Carr is, Carr's been bad for three, 
three straight games, two straight games, and they're running together at this point. Bukhar's been bad for <laughs> the majority of the last five weeks. And some of that's the offensive line, but some of that's just Derek Carr's not playing well. Because again, the offensive line wasn't good when the Raiders got off to a fast start. We were looking around saying, how the hell are they winning when the offensive line is playing this poorly? And a lot of it was because Derek Carr was really good. Derek Carr was overcoming poor play. For one of the first times in his career, Derek Carr was overcoming bad offensive play around him. And now that that's gone away, they can't do anything. They can't move the ball. They can't score. And, you know, you look around, you can put some blame on Derek Carr. I think you can put some blame. I mean, does Darren Waller deserve some? Or are we putting it all on Carr in the offensive line that Darren Waller's, I mean, he's had two good games this year. He's had two games over 70 yards this year. This is supposed to be the de facto number one receiver, and he's kind of uninvolved in terms of big plays go. So they got a long way to go, but they gave them, they got off to such a good start. They're still in position. As bad as it's looked, they're still five and four. And if you beat Cincinnati and you're six and four, like you're still in decent shape to go. I mean, hell, Kansas City plays Dallas. If they beat Cincinnati, there's a chance the Raiders are back in first place next week. <laughs> And that 30% playoff uh, mode goes to 70. Maybe. So it's just, yeah, it's, they, they got off to such a good start that they're still in position. It just feels like it's all going away. Coming up next, yeah, we'll talk a little UNLV basketball. Sears gets away from Josh Baker, lays it up no good, but a foul called a late foul, a late whistle. And, boy, the Rebel Kevin Kruger is really unhappy. He's seen his point guard get absolutely blasted two different times. Bryce back out top to Williams, fakes the three, comes in the lane, gets absolutely hammered and no call. Now they call an offensive foul? Are you kidding me? That was, that was five seconds after the play took place and both players jumped in the air. Kevin Kruger looking at the official saying, how can you make that call? We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Should UNLV be excited to play Michigan? Why not? They might lose by 30. That's all right. Is Come it? on, yes. You get to play Michigan. You play a top five team in the country. They might lose no by ex- 30. No, no one expects you to win. I, I will be interested to see the line. If they it'll walk come out in tomorrow. There. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. It'll come out tonight. If they walk in there and lose by 30, yeah. you're not looking around saying, oh, well. well you're looking around you saying you're three Michigan. and one. Ken Palm projects. Yeah, what did they project? Michigan to win by fourteen. Oh, okay. That's a little fewer than I thought. That's that'll make the line interesting. Yeah, why wouldn't you be excited to play the number? What are they four, four or five team in the country? Do you remember when Marvin Menzies took his team to T-Mobile and played Duke? I do. Grayson Allen had forty-two dunks. Yeah. I remember that game. Do you Jason remember Grayson Tatum Allen dunking was on the, the floor for Duke? <laughs> Grayson Allen was dunking the entire yes. game. Yes. Eh. Eh. Come on, play him. You get Wichita State in the in the second game. That's a winnable game. Man, you are just assuming they lose and assuming that Arizona beats Wichita State. I'm just going by the favorites. Okay. Just going by the favorites. Can they beat Michigan? Yes. All right. How are they going to beat Michigan? They got to finally hit some threes. They got to they they do that. They got to extend the streak by 13. Yeah. They are currently <laughs> shooting 21.9% from three-point range. That is not very good. Uh, yeah, they can beat Michigan. They got to right. shoot. They got to hit a bunch of threes to do so. Uh, but we would find out. We'd have to find out two things. Number one, that their defense is legitimately good, right? Like, yes, the defense yes. has been good, but they've played Gardner, Webb, Cal, and North Dakota State. We'd have to find out the defense is legitimately good, and they'd have to make a bunch of threes. I mean, Michigan just lost to Seton Hall. 
And Seton Hall's Hall, pretty good, but Seton it was Hall, at Michigan. Seton Hall is unbelievably yeah. defense or unbelievable on defense this year. They're good. Like with, like I've been talking about UNLV holding opponents under a point per possession and stuff like that. Seton Hall held their first two opponent, opponents under 0.7 mm-hmm. points per possession, yeah, which is insanity. Unbelievable the how good they've been defensively. So if UNLV's defense is for real, which I don't think it's for real to the point where they're going to really slow down Michigan, but if their defense is for real and they make threes, they can beat Michigan. Like there's no doubt about that in college basketball. If you make threes, you could beat your opponent. Uh, Do I think that happens? No, because I don't think we've seen enough of them shooting to say, yes, they're going to suddenly drain 14 of 31 threes and their defense, while it's been good, I think they're going to suffer quite a bit taking on Michigan. I just think that's going to be the case. I mean, here's the thing. Michigan's best player is a seven foot one guy. That's very versatile. UNLV only has one big guy. They really want to play in Royce ham. And he is not seven foot one. Like Royce ham is already undersized playing as the center. This is not a seven foot one guy from North Dakota state. Exactly. And North Dakota state has some size, but yes, they're seven foot one guys from North Dakota state. Hunter Dickinson, I mean, this he he might end up winning Player of the Year. Like that's right. a possibility for Hunter Dickinson this year. So I I think I don't think they have much of a chance of winning, but they do. I mean, if things two things go right, I think they do. By the way, uh, at UNLV practice yesterday, my favorite part of it is at one point they were just running sort of like scout team against the starters and stuff. And Carlin Hartman, one of the assistant coaches, was playing as Hunter Dickinson <laughs> on the scout team. <laughs> how many? How, how much size has he given up? Quite a bit. <laughs> so that was that was enjoyable when your assistant coach is running out as their best player in the scout team. Is that as good as was it Tyron Lou used to have to he would wear the one armband because he was scout team Allen Iverson? <laughs> it was just like, sure, sure, Lou, get out there. It's good. It's fun. So hey, they're new rims, it's a new gym. Maybe they go in and hit a bunch of threes. It that, would be kind of funny if they drilled all their threes yeah, at T-Mobile, T-Mobile and you look around and say, what the hell's wrong with Thomas and Mack? Yeah. Well, what's happening there? They just can't hit anything there. The good news is UNLV doesn't play a whole lot of games with Thomas and Mack over the next two or three weeks. They'll play uh, UCLA, UCLA there, but like they have two home games that are out at uh, the Aces Arena at Mandalay Bay. So they get, they get quite might a few be games. It. Yeah, they get quite a few games. And then they play their two road games of the entire non-conference no. season, too. I'm with you. It's not impossible. You look at scores every night, especially early in the season, that if you make a bunch of shots, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. It's, I I just don't know if they can stop Michigan. Like, they can make threes because there's just nights we've said about it. There will be there will be nights where they make all their threes. That's just law of averages, and that's what happens. Can they stop Michigan? That's kind of the key. Yeah, and the other, you know, slightly fun part of this is that Michigan is usually one of the slower teams in the country. Since Juwan Howard took over, they're playing pretty slow this year. And Michigan typically, at least under Juwan Howard, doesn't shoot a lot of threes. So you're talking about a team. Now, granted, they get a lot of layups, right? And they'll probably get a lot of layups against UNLV. But if UNLV can take away shots at the rim, Michigan's not a team that shoots a lot of threes. And it's a fairly low possession team. There's some recipe there for success. There's some recipe there for a close game or even a win. Again, we're talking about a you know ten percent chance or something like that that it happens, but it's I wonder what is the Ken Palm thing here? Uh, yeah, ten percent. Ken okay. Palm gives you an LB a ten percent chance to win. Okay, so I, I don't think it happens, but it's certainly possible. 
So Tyler's the optimist in this situation, and Ed has him playing Wichita State. Well, here's the thing. I don't think they should be excited to play Michigan. Ed thinks they should be excited to go in and get blown out. No, no, no. No, no. (laughs) I said they should be excited to To play a top five team. I mean, kids should be excited about that. They should be... These kids should be talking about the last few days. Hey, they should have been watching the Michigan Hall game. They should have been saying, hey, look, they lost at home. We have a chance. And like you said, yeah, you make a bunch of threes in college basketball. You have a chance to beat anybody. Let's see what they do at the defensive end because, like you said, they've been really good defensively against, you know, look, bad teams. They're bad teams. teams. Average teams. They have not not played a truly bad team yet. Like, they have not played Uh, the SWAC team that's ranked 312th. Okay, now you're going like the bottom, bottom. Well, those of the are bad. Well, I mean, bottom that's also barrel. was pretty consistently part of the Minzy scheduling. <laughs> Alaska didn't know they had basketball courts in Alaska, but we're playing one of them. Let me ask you this: Donovan Williams, after the last game, he had two dunks, and he said he had been dreaming about getting a fast break dunk in the Thomas and Mac, and then said that he goes home and he dreams about dunking, even though other guys might dream about hitting threes or blocking shots or getting steals. You get to play in a Division One game. What do you prefer? A dunk, a three, a steal, a block? Which which play do you want? To win the game in the no, end no, or just, just to period. do it? Just period. Hell, it can be to win the game. Who cares? Yeah. Okay, which we're going to say to win the game. Wins the game. Hit a three. Yeah, if it's to win the game, hit a three. Yeah, if it's to win the game. I mean, if it's in the, if it's in the first half, maybe a dunk. I think I might take blocking a shot second. Because I After feel like if you're hitting the three? I'm definitely getting teed up, but... It, that is like the time to talk trash when you swat somebody's shot at the rim. Yeah. Like dunking on somebody. Sure. Yeah, you can too. But blocking somebody's shot at the rim. I'm if I played you in a dunk division and stand one game, over him, get your tea. You can. Uh, but if I played in a division <laughs> get, one game, get your tea <laughs> and I blocked somebody's shot, I am getting a technical foul. Those are just the rules. Like, I think there's a couple players on UNLV's team that should go to Kevin. Like Jordan McCabe is one of them. Jordan McCabe should tell Kevin Kruger, listen, if I ever block somebody's shot at the rim, I'm sorry, I'm getting a technical foul. I'm telling you up front, but I'm getting a technical foul because I'm yelling in that guy's face that I blocked his shot. Like Jordan McCabe should definitely be that player because that's what I would do. If I blocked a shot at the rim, I'm I'm getting te- I'm getting a T. It's just what's going to happen. If you're sending into the second row, I'm getting oh, a T. If I do that, oh, that's I, that's I the ejected. dream. I might get ejected. <laughs> I want that ball. I want that ball. Like there are people to be scrambling to go get it. <laughs> if you get ejected, I just want Dave Hall to be the one throwing you yeah. out. Yeah, probably. All right, here we go. We are going to talk to Jeff Erickson next from RotoWire. If you have fantasy football questions, you can text them in to us. Our text line is six nine one eight seven. Preface your message with ESPN. Just type ESPN and then whatever your fantasy football question is and send it to the number 69187. We will ask Jeff Erickson of RotoWire next. The only way to get back to it is say, okay, why is this going on? It's no one's fault other than everybody's. And now we pick the pieces up and we, we get a chance to play a great football team that's really well coached at home. And what are we going to do about it? You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from RotoWire is Jeff Erickson. If you have fantasy football questions, you can text them in now. 69187. That is the text line. Make sure you type ESPN 
before your message. So send it to 69187 and send your messages ESPN and then whatever your fantasy football questions are for Jeff Erickson. Uh, but Jeff, I do want to start with the Raiders. Um, is Darren Waller still like a top end tight end? Yeah, he is. I mean, he was an overturned touchdown at the end of the game from having a pretty decent fantasy day. Uh, you know, some weeks you're not going to have the big numbers as others. I mean, it just it might just have been you know a lot of familiarity with the Chiefs and the Raiders. They played enough over the years to know that okay, let's take away their best option. So they did that. <laughs> I don't think the Bengals will do that as well this week. I want to stay with him as well. Uh, there's a question in here. I, I, I think uh, DeAndre Swift has a shoulder, but Josh Jacobs as well. Five touchdowns this year. Uh, I think he's hit 70 yards, maybe only twice. They have not run the ball well at all, except for two games. Where's Josh Jacobs in your rankings? He just he he's not played as well, maybe as people thought when they took him. Yeah, well, he's been bothered by injuries, missed a couple of games. You know, he dropped from last year to the fifth round this year. He was a first, second round guy last year. Now he's dropped a little bit, but even that. Even though, even with that, accounting for that, it seems like a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, this week, I've got him around fifteen to twenty. Uh, there's there's some uh, fluidity in there, but other teams have run the ball pretty well against the Bengals. We'll see what they look like coming off of the bye. Uh, you know, that might have helped them a little bit. Like they, I think they had trouble tackling the last couple of weeks prior to the bye week. The Browns, in particular, ran all over them. Where are you ranking Cam Newton this week? 16th among quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I don't know if he can throw. It seems like a prerequisite for the job, but at the same time, he's got such a floor with his leg. I don't know if he can throw. He's the 16th best quarterback for fantasy football. Yeah. Uh, okay, if oh, he if he has a decent day passing the ball, how, how high in your rankings do you think he can get before the end of the season? He's got top 10 upside. Uh, he's going to be, depending on the matchups in a given week, but he's also got bottom five downside. That's, that's the problem. We saw both both types of Cam last year at the Pats, right? Early in the season, he was a force. He, I think he still had like a 10 or 11 rushing touchdown. Uh, but you look at uh, uh, you look at uh, what he did in the end of the season, you could tell he was a little bit compromised health-wise, but he also just was not the same quarterback after coming back from COVID. Um, and you know, I, I want to see him in a, in a full setting here. He had seven touches last week. We'll see what happens when he's required to make some downfield throws and not just in there in goal line packages. Uh, but you look at some of the other quarterbacks this week. Baker Mayfield's banged up and playing terribly right now. Mason Rudolph is Mason Rudolph. Uh, say no more about that. Uh, Carson Wentz has to face the Bills. I, I don't want any part of this. Jared Goff's got a bad oblique and it's kind of bad anyhow. Trevor Lawrence hasn't improved at all. There's, there's a lot of problems at quarterback right now. Have you heard anything in an update, and what do you expect from Nick Chubb? I have not heard an update on him. Strangely enough, I expect him to be back because uh, usually it's a 10 day cycle. Uh, with right. I haven't heard anything about any symptoms or anything like that. And they're you know, understandably close to the best with information, but uh, he was still on reserve cover list as of yesterday, making him uncertain to play this week. Has to return negative tests on consecutive days, uh, but not within 24 hours of each other before he can be taken off. Now, we don't know where he's at with that. The fact is, he was he was still on the reserve list yesterday. All right, we got question six nine one eight seven is the text line. If you have questions about your fantasy team, who to start, who to sit, who you want to trade for, six nine one eight seven is the text line. Make sure you preface it with ESPN. First one: If Cordero Patterson is out, Chuba Hubbard, Alexander Madison, or Adrian Peterson? Madison, and it's you, you're betting among backups, backups, and timeshares. 
Uh, Hubbard got that touchdown last week, but McCaffrey's the man. He's, he's going to dominate all the touches. I think Madison's got the best chance for touches. Uh, need one, Miles Sanders, Elijah Mitchell, or Damian Harris? Well, you have to make that decision. Um, I would go with the double, you know, if, if Harris is active start and he's starting for the pass, I'd start him. Because uh, we don't know what sort of activity Sanders gets, and we don't know about Mitchell with the broken finger. Uh, another one for you, uh, Wayne Gallman, Latavius Murray, or Mike Davis? Uh, um, <laughs> I go Latavius Murray because they cut uh, Love Bell. Uh, and then another one for you from our text line, uh, Stevenson or Kenyon Drake? And I think that's uh, Stevenson with the Patriots. Right. Uh, again, that, that if Damian Harris plays, I'd you know, I'd still go Stevenson. I think he showed enough last week that I think he's got to at least be a pretty significant role. And I think there's room for two backs this week for the for the uh, Pats tonight against the Falcons. I think he can run against them. Where do you have Justin Herbert? I don't know why someone would would question Justin Herbert or Derek Carr, maybe because one's on the road, one's at home. But De- Justin Herbert's kind of come back a little. Uh, Derek Carr's he at has. home. So can you talk about Justin Herbert and, and, and the choice between those two? So I would still go with Herbert. You know, it's funny. He Even with his recent struggles, he's still like the second quarterback since week three, uh, which is pretty amazing. Um, and Mika uh, Fitzpatrick's probably not going to play for the Steelers. He's on the COVID list for them. That's a big part of their pass defense going. It's a possibility T.J. Watt doesn't play too. So as much as the Chargers are a little frustrating right now, I think I'd still go with Herbert. 69187 is the text line. Preface your message with ESPN. Rashad Bateman, Allen Robinson, or Brandon Ayuk? Uh, I go Bateman. Uh, it's Bateman versus Ayuk, really. Uh, Robinson's got, he came up, he's dealing with a hamstring issue uh, in practice yesterday, despite it coming off the bye week. And I just don't trust him, trust him to throw to him enough. Um, it, it's gotten to that point, which is so sad because he probably spent a lot more draft capital on Robinson. Have you heard anything on James Robinson's health? Uh, missed practice yesterday, but I think it's kind of a maintenance day. Uh, I, I, today and tomorrow will be important uh, days. But I saw the way he played. He, he kind of took a while to get on track with that. Second half, he was pretty good against the Colts. Jeff, I basically I checked my app Monday to find out that I'm apparently in the playoffs in my 14-team league. What's the weirdest like playoff format you've ever seen? Because somehow I'm in a six-week playoff format in a 14-team league. I mean that's pretty much it, right? I mean that's 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 a pretty crazy early uh, woman. That's someone that just doesn't want to have to play in December, I guess. But uh, yeah, I I I think I've I've seen it where it's it's longer uh, longer playoffs or try to get more teams in, but yeah. That seems like a, a participation trophy playoffs there where everyone gets <laughs> Are you a fan of two-week playoffs or one-week playoffs in fantasy football? Two, and I, I can even get three where you, the top two teams get a bye or something of that nature. That's fine. Uh, and you cut out the last week of the season. Now, this year, I get it. It's a little weird because we added the extra week. Our team's going to start. When our team's going to start shutting down? Is it going to be week 18, week 17? Not quite sure. But there will be some shutdown issues. There might be more. And it's a longer season, so there's more injuries. Maybe that's the motivation for starting the playoffs so early. But well, wait, do, so much of the season. Do you prefer, like, when you have an individual playoff matchup, like you're playing somebody in the playoffs, do you like it to be just that single week, or do you like leagues that do a two-week single playoff matchup? I 
kind of like a two-week final. I think that would be pretty cool. If you're going to start that early and make it a two-week final, that way uh, you, you take a little of the variance out. We got one more question from our text line. 69187 is the number if you want to send it in. Elijah Mitchell or Michael Carter? Uh, I'd go Carter uh, right now. Now, if Mitchell gets like a full practice Friday and says, hey, he's a full go, then I, I'd reconsider. But Jacksonville quietly has been pretty decent against the run, too. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had a big first quarter and did nothing the rest of the way uh, last week. And, you know, they're running as well as anybody right now. Well, he is Jeff Erickson from Rotowire. Jeff, as always, we appreciate you answering some questions for us. Thanks, Jeff. Anytime. Get to rotowire.com. All of your fantasy questions will be asked and answered. Oh, I, we forgot to let you ask. No, oh, yes. Failed. No, I'm in. I'm I'm in the playoffs randomly. I have a bye week. Oh, you have a bye week. I have no. I'm sorry. I have two bye weeks. <laughs> so it's so it doesn't matter who Hurts or Rogers is better. Yeah, I won't okay. be playing in two, <laughs> two weeks. All right. All right. So we'll check in after Thanksgiving. That, that, I will say that's question. the part that he got wrong is that I I got a buy. We cut half the teams out. It's just this weird format where six teams make it in a 14-team league. Yeah, that sounds dumb. That is when you told me that yesterday, I'm like, because I keep pushing to see when the playoffs start in ours. I forgot like how many weeks we gave to. And it's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so when you yes. when you sit here in the playoffs already, I'm like, well, what league are you in? Two week. Two week playoffs for every round, apparently. I went eight and two, and both my losses were to the teams that only won one game. <laughs> That's well, good. They're not going to be in the playoffs, so you have a chance. That seems impossible, Jared. I'm, I'm work. aware. That's good work. All right, coming up next, the Astros are winning the World Series. He attacks and smokes one to deep left. This one's going supersonic. That is out of the ballpark. Whoa! Over the train tracks, it's 3-0 Atlanta. And Jorge Soler lands the first punch here on the top of the third inning. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Don't you like winning the World Series before the season starts? Well, yeah, when they sign Scherzer, it'll happen. <laughs> when they sign Scherzer for one year for $30 million. Justin Verlander re-signing with the Houston Astros. He got a one-year deal for $25 million. There is a second-year player option, so this is effectively a two-year deal worth $50 million. Uh, Verlander has not pitched basically in two seasons. He made one start in 2020 uh, and hurt his elbow, and that was it. Didn't pitch at all in 2021, uh, but he's staying with the Astros. So Noah Syndergaard got 21 million for one year. Verlander's basically getting 25 million a year on a two-year deal. Seemed like an overpay to you? Well, I assume, excuse me, I assume the 25 million or the second-year option he held out because there were other teams interested in him. So the Astros had to do that on the player option. I almost thought it would be a team option just to see how he is and if he could come back and be healthy. But again, you heard about the Yankees who said, you know, Hal Steinbrenner said yesterday they're going to go out and be aggressive and spend a lot of money. So maybe the agent said it's a player option or he's going elsewhere. I am curious to know what other deals there were, because one of the reports from Houston yesterday was that Verlander felt loyal to Jim Crane, the Astros owner. After Jim Crane gave him the player option. Well, yes, yes, and it's probably a bunch of crap because he probably signed the contract that is the biggest or at least, you know, tied for the biggest, whatever. So I am 
I am curious if somebody else offered him twenty five million a year, and if somebody else offered him two years right. or not. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure somebody offered him two years, but were they giving him twenty five million dollars for both of those years? I is the question there. But Justin Verlander's back. He's going to be thirty nine next year and hasn't pitched in two seasons. The last time he pitched a full season. He won the AL Cy Young. He was, you know, he and Garrett Cole were the two best pitchers in the American League that year. I don't know that that's the expectation, but should I should I be optimistic yeah. Justin Verlander is going to be back to Justin so. Verlander after two years of not pitching? I mean, I don't know what the tryout was a few weeks ago or when it ever was, but they said he looked really good. He was, well, you had the numbers. Was he hitting 97? 94 to 97 was 94 the range 97? of his fastball velocity yeah. over 20 I think I'd be excited. Pitches. Be excited if I was a Dodger fan and Justin Verlander was on the team. You would have been absolutely okay, because sure. yeah. I am excited. You I should be. Think they're winning the World Series. Granted, well, I always think that, but think they're winning the World Series. So he'll be forty on the player option, or he's going to be yeah, thirty. That'll be, that'll be he'll be thirty nine next year, forty on the player option. He's he's come out like Tom Brady has, and he's said he wants to play till he's forty five. Uh, we'll uh, I don't see. know if his arm does. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. He just got two years <laughs> off. <laughs> he's got two year break. We also, you know, we. He do, he, he's not going to have access to the same type of chemicals that, like, a Roger Clemens has had. But, you know, we've seen it done before. Well, hopefully he's got better chemicals. Come on. <laughs> he's got the new be, stuff. Don't we hopefully advance the, hopefully the, the juice is new. Don't we advance with the times? Come on. Let's get let's get some better stuff than what Roger Clemens was using. Just a, he comes back and his head is like he's got big head mode on. Be great. So, yeah, exactly. What's your hat size? Uh, it's a two sizes larger. So throughout the end of the regular season and the playoffs, there was, I don't know if story is the right word, but there was like a rumor, a narrative that the Astros players did not like Justin Verlander simply because Justin Verlander was not around the team at all this last season. He was rehabbing away from the team. And then there was a report from Bob Nightingale that, the Astros, the owner, Jim Crane, asked Justin Verlander to throw out the first pitch of the World Series. And apparently the Astros players, quote, revolted when Verlander was scheduled to throw out the first pitch. And Verlander ended up not throwing out the first pitch. I think it was Craig Biggio that threw out the first pitch instead. Um, do you believe that? And now that he's re-signing with Houston, does it make a difference? Revolting. It's that a strong, that's a very strong word. Yeah, yeah, it's a very strong word for <laughs> it's a very strong word for a team and players who are about to play in the World Series. Right. I would think they'd be worried and concerned and thinking about a little more than oh, Justin's going to throw out the first pitch, right? I would I think mean, so too. He, they might have heard a few things like, "Yeah, that guy hasn't been around. Isn't there someone else that could do it?" But revolting, what did they like? They stormed down to the owner's well, they, office. Yeah, they threatened not to play in the World <laughs> Series if Justin Verlander threw out the first pitch. So I think that's far too strong. I do think also that James Click, the GM here, says it was because of COVID protocols. I don't know. I, I don't know, Justin. Um, I just think he wanted to stay away and do his own rehab wherever he was. I don't know where he's rehabbing, but, you yeah. know, Florida, wherever they rehab nowadays. Um, so I don't know if Justin Verlander. You can. You're an Astros fan. I mean, is Justin Verlander the greatest teammate? He's never came no. off that way to me. But no. 
if he's if he's comes back as good as he was, I don't care if he's a great teammate. I if just I want were, the guy winning games. If I were him, I just kind of want to hang out with my wife. I would too. That's that's my <laughs> thought. So Justin true. Verlander was not going to pitch last season. There was at one point where he was like, maybe I can come back as a reliever in the late in the postseason. But he was not going to pitch last year. So his options were okay. I can basically stay at home with Kate Upton, or. <laughs> I could hang around Dusty Baker and Dusty Carlos Baker. Correa yeah. every single day for seven hours yeah. a day. And all they do is they take out their phones and they show me pictures of my wife. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> guys, I know. I think I would have stayed at home with Kate Upton as yes. well. I yes. think that's a pretty obvious decision. So, yeah, I I don't <laughs> I don't think there's going to be too, too big of a deal from this. But it just was funny that earlier this week it was the players revolted because Verlander was going to yeah, throw out the opening on. pitch to, yeah, he's re-signing with the Houston Astros on a one-year deal for $25 million. Like I said, if he comes back and he's the same pitcher, what do I care where the guy was? Right, exactly. You want the guy winning games. You want to go to the World Series. <laughs> if he's if he's if if he throws seven shutout innings in yeah. Game 5 of the World Series. Who... Do you care where he was when he was rehabbing? <laughs> no, you're going to look around and say, what's that matter? Justin Verland helping him win the World Series. Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a big deal. But it is a big deal because the Astros are now going to win the World Series. Oh, good Lord. It's done. I mean, well, it's not done. done. They need to sign one player that can hit to replace Carlos Correa, and then it's so done. They they got Verlander back. So you're saying if they sign Chris Taylor, then they're winning World, the World Series, Series champs. Yep. You give me give me one hitter with like an OPS plus of like 115 or something, which I think is Chris Taylor. <laughs> I'm good. I'm a hundred. Starling. They've been rumored about Starling Marte. They met with him to come play center field. Whatever. I, center fielder or shortstop that has an above average bat, they're winning the World Series. Done deal. They got the same team back. Like they, they basically just replaced Zach Granke with Justin Verlander for their pitching staff. Everybody, every other guy that made a start is back next year, and the entire offense is back with the exception of Carlos Correa, who's oh. probably gone. So if they replace Carlos Correa with another above-average hitter, they won 95 games, won the American League West, and went to the World Series. They're going to do it again, and this time not lose to the bum Braves. God, Grinky's UFA. Yeah, he he's, uh, he's going to the National League most likely, and he is probably fingers crossed they don't bring the DH because he wants. Oh, but you he wants a hit. Yeah, we did we did this with Adam Candy. Zach Greinke has said he wants to get to ten career home runs and ten career stolen bases. He's on nine for each. He's at nine and nine. He is praying they do not bring the DH next year. Oh, 